And uh, we are in a series, which has been an incredible series, and you can see it's going to come up on the screen behind me, but don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And we are in week three. It's been a life-giving series. And I want to encourage you, if, if you're joining us for the first time tonight, or maybe you've missed church over the past two weeks and you haven't heard any of the messages, I promise you, it's such a crucial time of the year to, to hear this message and to hear this, this series as we've been speaking into such crucial points that are going to help us finish the year strong. Because that's really the goal. We don't want to be people who crawl to the end of the year. We want to be people jumping to the end of the year because of what God is doing in our life and how we're protecting ourselves. And this is exactly what the series is speaking into. So please head over to our podcast page or to YouTube and you can hear the life-giving messages which have been spoken over the past couple of weeks. But we're going to jump straight into it. And our base scripture is Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6. And this is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Really powerful scripture, powerful imagery that we can lean on and and apply to our life. And, And tonight we're speaking into Don't give the enemy a seat with your thoughts. Don't give the enemy a seat in your mind. Don't give the enemy a seat in your head because it's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to sow some doubt. He wants to sow some anxiety. He wants to sow some things that are gonna completely tear you away from God. Don't give the enemy a seat with your thoughts. But before we go on, just a confession and, and I'm going to get to the second part of this quickly, but the confession is that I have a fear of spiders. Is there anyone who joins me in that? Hands up high if you, no, no, but I'm not talking like, oh, I kind of get scared. I'm talking like it cripples you. Like you actually don't know how to function. That's me. If I see a spider in a room, I leave that room and I don't go back until someone's killed it or moved it safely, obviously, because that's what we do. We move things safely, but far enough that it doesn't come back, obviously. And who knows that it's super scary that when you see a spider at a point in the room and you leave the room and you come back and the spider's gone. And you're like, oh, well, I must have burned the house down now because it's gone. But years and years and years of having this fear of spiders started to mess with my brain. And um, I was once spending some time in Zambia and my phone was dead. And if you've been to the missions base in Zambia, when the sun goes down, it's very dark. So you're not meant to walk without a light or a phone light or something to show you what's in front of you because not only are there spiders in Zambia, there's some other things in Zambia that you might step on when the sun goes down. So it's really a protection thing. And um, I was walking to the place that I was staying at. And you know when, when an iPhone's dead, you can press the on button and the screen kind of makes light. You want to talk in the, the, the dead battery flashes? It's pretty much all I was using. It was useless, but it kind of, that's how dark it is there. It kind of does make a difference. So I was walking and it, uh, I kind of got, you know, I got to the, to the door and there was a padlock that had locked the door. So I had to unlock the padlock. 
So I, <laughs> I took my phone and I, I kind of pointed it close to the padlock and then I saw this, this shadow of a spider. And I'm not ashamed to say that I squealed. And I turned around and I ran up to where the other guys were and I said, guys, please just come and help me. I, I just, I, either I'm sleeping on your couch and will be bitten by malaria mosquitoes because there's no mosquito net here, or someone's got to come and help me because I'm not going to go anywhere near that padlock. So then these guys were like giggling. So I was like, why are you giggling? Like, this is obviously like jokes on me. I get it. Like, I'm this tall dude. I shouldn't be scared of such small things. Like, but don't like laugh at my fear because it's genuinely a fear. So they're like, okay, we'll come. And these guys took their torches. And then their laughing becomes progressively like louder and louder. And what I discovered was, is that they had taken a plastic spider and stuck it on my padlock. And then I just didn't know it was a plastic spider. And I just had this fear run through my body and was like, what on earth? Like, anyway, it was a great prank. Fair play to them. They got me. Like, in terms of my life, that was a good prank. But I was thinking about that story and I said, all it needed was for me to shine the lights on the padlock to see that the fear that I was feeling and the thoughts that I was thinking actually meant nothing because it was fake. My thoughts started running in my head and what was only a plastic spider became this eight-foot, eight-legged demon that was going to tear me apart at night. That's genuinely what I think about spiders. But there was power when the guys who pranked me took their torch and they shone the light on the padlock. How often did we grow up with the boogeyman <laughs> under your bed? Or maybe your, 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 your bedroom cupboard was slightly open and that little bit of darkness, you got, there's definitely something there. There's 100% there's something there. And you become fearful. And you're like, there's something there that's going to come out when I'm sleeping and it's going to drag me and it's, I'm never going to see my family again. And all you had to do was put the light on to know that there was no boogeyman. Often it was the same with spiders. I would genuinely believe there were spiders in my room. But when I put the light on, there were no spiders. When we allow ourselves to sit at the table that the Lord has prepared for us, we shine the light of Jesus on the thoughts that we think. And when we do that, we're able to establish whether the thoughts we are thinking are from God or whether they're from the enemy. We have to understand the power of shining light on our thoughts because our thoughts are extremely powerful. It says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, we can't read that scripture literally. You can't think that you're going to be a sub and you're just going to turn into a sub. You can't think that you're this microphone, and you're going to become the microphone. What that scripture is saying is, if we allow the thoughts to stay thoughts in our mind, it's going to lead to an action. It's going to lead to a decision. It's going to lead to us doing something about that thought. So if you think you're the microphone, you might start to project your voice a bit louder. I don't know. Just an example. But as you think, so you become. We have to be so careful about the thoughts that we allow in our heart, in our mind. 
Because if they stay thoughts and they're the wrong thoughts and they're the thoughts from the enemy, we're gonna start making decisions that honor those thoughts. We're gonna start making decisions that are gonna make those thoughts a reality in our life. We have to shine the light of Jesus on our thoughts. We see this clearly in the Bible. There's two distinct characters in the Bible who in a moment had this thought that overwhelmed them and it led to a decision. And the consequence of that decision that they made was extreme. The first example, and we're going to read it together, is Eve. Genesis 3 verse 4 to 7. And this is the serpent, it's the enemy speaking to her. And he's speaking about the, 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 the fruit that she was forbidden to eat, in, to eat. Sorry. And this is what it says. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw uh, th- that the fruit of the tree was good, and the food was pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1 to 6, we'll jump from 14 to 15, and then we're going to speak and look at the, the example of David. And David was this king who was ordained and, and, and called by God to lead his people. But he would find himself in a place where a thought came upon him. And he acted on that thought. From verse, uh, chapter 11, 1 to 6. In the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David, uh, David sent Job uh, with the king's men and the whole Israel army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The thought entered. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent messages to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. Verses 14 to 15. And Joab sent him to David. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw him so he will be struck down and die. Now, both of those examples started with a thought. The enemy spoke to Eve and said, hey, Eve, that fruit, it's going to bless you. He didn't say, hey, if you eat from that tree, if you eat that fruit, You're going to bind people to sin. You're going to bring evil into this world. You're going to create a disconnect from God. He made it seem like it was something good. And in a moment of weakness, this thought 
that became a thought led to an action. And there was a direct disconnect between Adam and Eve with God. David, who was ordained by God, made a decision to sleep with the woman he was not married to. He committed adultery, and adultery led to murder. Because it all started with a thought. That's why we have to shine the light of Jesus on our thoughts. We can learn from Eve, and we can learn from David to make sure that we position ourselves to lean in on the thoughts that come from God. That we can lean in on the words that he has for life, that we can make decisions that bring him glory, that we can make decisions that serve others, that we can make decisions that are gonna build the kingdom of God wherever we go. Your thoughts are powerful. So the first thing that I would encourage you to do is when a thought enters your mind, we have to identify what that thought is. It says in 2 Corinthians 10 verses three to six, for through, for through we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every uh, pre uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we, and we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So when these thoughts start to overwhelm you, when these thoughts start to enter into your mind, because we all are prone to these thoughts, we, we're not ever going to escape the plans of the enemy. He's going to sow seeds. He's going to put those little thoughts into your mind. But when we have these thoughts, we have to ask ourselves the question, is that thought from God? Is that thought going to bring glory to God? And how will this thought grow me. Because if you know that that thought is not going to bring glory to God, then it's probably a thought you got to take captive. It's probably a thought that you're going to have to release it and not keep it as a thought. Because we know that a thought that stays a thought will lead to an action. Eve had an opportunity to ask herself the question, is this thought that I'm thinking going to bring glory to God? And if she said no, she would have walked away. David had the same opportunity. Is this thought that I'm thinking to pursue what I want to pursue, is it going to bring glory to God? His answer would have been no. And it would have stopped him from living in the consequence that his thought had led him into. The next thing, once we've identified whether the thoughts from God, is we need to speak the name of Jesus over that thought. We have to speak the name of Jesus over that thought. So once we know that that thought is not from God, we have to bind that thought in Jesus' name. We've got to go, there's no way this thought is going to become captive in my heart. Louis Giglow says, if you don't bind that thought, that thought will bind you. And I think that's a powerful statement to, to ponder on because if we aren't binding these thoughts, these thoughts are going to bind us and it's going to bind us to sin. And it's going to bind us and it's going to separate us from God. We have to speak the name of Jesus over these thoughts. Rebuke them in Jesus' name. We can't allow them into our life. We, um, we had rice camp just a, well, last week. Best, best time ever. Best, praise God. 
His presence was incredible. Great friendships were formed. Great pranks as well. You can't have a camp without pranks. Thank you, Jesus. No one got hurt. Thank you, Lord. But part of the journey was we had to take the buses through the tunnel. And if you didn't have the means of payment to enter into the tunnel, you were never going to enter into the tunnel. You were going to be stuck. And you were going to have to wait until someone came and paid for your entrance. Binding those thoughts denies entrance into our minds. If we don't bind those thoughts, what we're doing is we're paying for them to enter into our lives. And we're going, here's a pass. Just enter into my mind. Let me become overwhelmed by these thoughts. We identify the thoughts. We bind the thoughts in Jesus' name. And secondly, what I want to, I mean, thirdly, what I want to encourage us to do is to speak the truth over those thoughts. We got to speak the truth over those thoughts. How do we do that? How do I, in my day-to-day life, make conscious decisions to speak the truth over the thoughts in my life? Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 17, and and over the series, you would know that we're focusing on the armor of God, and and every week, we're going to be focusing on some of the specifics, and this week, we're going to be focusing on the sword and the helmet, the sword of the Spirit and the helmet of salvation. But this is what Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 17 says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when that day of evil evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, sorry, and then after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the first thing that I want to encourage us with tonight to make sure that we're speaking Jesus over all of these thoughts is to pick up the sword of the Spirit every single day. When you study the sword of the Spirit, there's actually another way of describing, of describing it, and it's the sword of the breath of God. It's the sword of the Spirit, but it's also the sword of the breath of God. It's the Word of God. So I was thinking about the sword, and, and maybe you're sitting here tonight, and, and you struggle with thoughts, and you struggle to take captive thoughts, and you struggle to speak the truth over those areas in your life, and, and I want to paint this picture for you, if that's okay. I don't know if, you, if you've ever watched like those medieval movies when it's like they're still fighting with sword and shields, and then you get cut to a scene where there's these young soldiers who are training. Have you ever seen those scenes? And they are kind of all doing the same move, and they're all practicing like different ways of combat. And I was thinking, in order for them to be the soldier that they were being trained to be, they had to start somewhere. 
But the key thing about the sword of the Spirit is as we practice to use the sword of the Spirit, we might not always get it right all the time. But the sword will always be as effective. The sword is as effective if you start using it tonight as it is if you're a seasoned Christian who's been using it their whole life. The sword is still effective. Can you imagine the sword that those young soldiers would have used were as sharp as the ones going into battle? Those swords were just as effective in training as they were on the battleground. But it doesn't matter. The, the, the point that I'm trying to make is we have to make a decision to use the sword of the Spirit. The sword's powerful. The sword's going to protect us. The sword is going to cut away all those negative thoughts, all those thoughts of the enemy, whether you use it for the first time tonight or whether you've been using it for the last 40 years. The sword is effective. The sword is deadly. The sword is there for us to use to protect ourselves from any attacks from the enemy. And, you know, it, it might be unorthodox in the beginning and you might have to, to Google some promises that God gives you or you might need to write a list down and keep it in your pocket or if you've got a phone, you can write it on your notes app and if you're feeling anxious or if you're feeling like these thoughts are overwhelming you, you can, you can pull it out and you can remind yourself, hey, this is what God says about me. This is what God says about the situation. And the more you do that, and the more you practice that, and the more you make that a thing that you do every single day, the sword that is as effective as when you started, it's gonna be like in 10 years time, you're just gonna put it out and you're gonna do this and you're gonna cut the enemy up into a thousand pieces because you've been trained on how to use the sword. But the sword of the Spirit has been given to us to protect ourselves from the thoughts that the enemy has given us. We have to use the sword. You'll become better. And I was, again, thinking about it. I was in a car accident, I think seven weeks ago, and they wrote my car off. And I got a new car on Friday. But it's got an immobilizer. I didn't know they still made cars with an immobilizer. Uh, if you know what an immobilizer is, before you start the car, you've got to, like, put this thing on. I can't really explain it, but it allows you to start the car. Now... <laughs> I'm not used to the clutch of that car. Help me, Jesus. I pray that I get used to it quickly. And the reason I pray that I get used to it quickly is because when I stall, it's not as simple as just turning the key again. You've got to turn the key all the way to the beginning, find that little tag, put the immobilizer and, and deactivate it, and then start the car. The first five minutes of driving my car, I stalled at the intersection. And it wasn't a chill intersection. There was a three-lane intersection, and it went green for them. And all of a sudden, I had these cars swarming around me, and I'm going, Lord, this car is going to get smashed. I've had it for five minutes. Help me, Jesus. So my prayer is that the more I use the car, the more accustomed I'm going to, be get, I'm going to get to using the clutch. And I'm not going to stall anymore in Jesus' name. The more you use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the more you surround yourself with these promises, it's just going to come to you. And when these thoughts come, when these, when, these, when these lies come, you're going to go, no, this is what this Word of God says. I'm not going to believe that. But if you don't use the Word of God, it's never going to be as effective as it could be for you. His Word is there to protect us, to grow us, to build us, to edify us, to feed us, to give us all the nutrition we need to get stronger. So maybe you're sitting here tonight and we can kick it off. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're going, I don't feel loved. But I want to remind you that the Word of God says you are loved. Colossians 3 verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Maybe you're sitting here tonight going, I can never be forgiven. What I've done, I've gone too far. But the word of God tells us that you are forgiven. Ephesians 1 verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Maybe the, the, the devil's lying to you and putting some thoughts into your head saying, you can never ever change the person who you were before you met Jesus. You can never overcome your sin. You can never overcome your past. I wanna remind you tonight that 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're going, I can never move through this season that I'm in. I can never receive the victory that I, that I crave. I wanna remind you tonight that even though the devil is gonna lie to you and say there's no way out of this, the word of God says that you are victorious. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love what Andre shared when he did our transition and it was exactly what I was praying during that last worship song, that right now, as we sit here, as we worshiped, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father in a place of victory. And just as Andre said, he's praying for you, he's interceding for you. He's praying for your purpose, he's praying for your heart, he's praying for your mind, he's praying for your family, he's praying for your future, he's praying for you. We are victorious in Jesus' name. Don't believe the lies of the devil. The word of God says, we are victorious. The next thing I wanna encourage us to do is every day put on the helmet of salvation. This is essentially summed up the helmet of salvation. The world is filled with facts, but the word of God is truth. And the truth is, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity in heaven with him one day. That's the truth. People will throw facts at you and go, that's fake. The Bible isn't real. You, it's impossible. No, they can throw all the facts they want. They can throw all these things they want. But the truth says that it's because of what Jesus did for us that we will spend eternity in heaven with him one day. And when we wake up in the morning, we declare that we are sons and daughters of Jesus. We can declare that our place in heaven is secured. We can declare that this life is a temporary part of what God has planned for us. We're gonna spend eternity in heaven. Eternity is a big deal. It's a long time. It's, you can't comprehend eternity. So it's so important that we put on the helmet of salvation, which is the truth of the word. It's truth. We cannot deny someone's salvation if they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The world is filled with facts, but the word of God is truth. We have to lean on the truth that comes from the Word of God. The devil will throw all the craziest facts to you. <laughs> Here we go. The fact is, you shouldn't be in this country. Well, the truth is, God is in this country. He will throw all the crazy facts. He will say, oh, you, you shouldn't study in our country. Well, no. The truth is, is that God is in our future. And that thing that God's given you a passion for, I've got no doubt that He's called you to serve in our nation. The facts say that you, you, know, you, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, but no, the truth is that God has called you to be where you are right now, with the helmet of salvation, with the understanding that you are set free 
with the understanding that you aren't destined for hell, but you're destined for heaven. And yes, the devil is going to try everything that he can do to make you doubt that. But the truth can never be bent. It can never be taken away. And it can never be broken when it comes to the Word of God. And the Word of God says, you will spend eternity in heaven one day. And you sons and daughters of the Most High, with an incredible purpose to be used by God wherever you are. So we've got to use the sword of the Spirit every day. We've got to practice it. And we've got to make sure that we're not just keeping it on our side, but we're using it and we're slicing and we're cutting and we're stabbing all the lies of the enemy. And the more we practice, the better we're going to get. And the more confident we're going to get. And every day we're called to put on the helmet of salvation, to remind ourselves that we are not citizens of earth, we are citizens of heaven. And that our eternity is secured in Jesus. The third thing I want to encourage us with, and, and I just felt that I needed to share this. When it comes to thoughts, when it comes to getting into dark places and, 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 and not almost being able to break through the season of, of doubt or the season of, 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 of just allowing those, those thoughts of the enemy to, to almost chain you. I love that scripture where we speak about it in Psalm 23. But Jesus, or, or, or God didn't say, hey, listen, as you sit in the valley, I'm going to prepare a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. You see, he said, as you walk through the valley. Now, the reason I, I say walk is clearly physical activity is so important for our thoughts. You see, if we sit in one space and only see one thing and we seclude ourselves from others and we stop ourselves from seeing this incredible world that God's created, we're going to get into a very dark space. But the picture is we've got to walk. We've just got to keep walking. And if you study the, the, the power of physical activity for our thoughts and, and for anxiety and for depression and, and for just pushing through hard seasons, there's so much data that says if you aren't physically active, you might struggle to push through in some things. But please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you've got to go to gym five times a week and push heavy weights. That, that, that's not physical activity. I'm talking about just going for a walk. Maybe it's going for a walk around the block and praying to God and put, and put worship music in and just speak to Him. Connect with Him. Or maybe it's, guys, we've got some of the best beaches in the world. Hey? And they all have great views of Table Mountain. You see, it speaks about the imagery of the valley. The valley doesn't represent the hard time that you're facing. The hard time is between the valley. The valley is something God created. God reveals Himself through His creation. If you are locking yourself up in a room, and not stepping outside, you might struggle with thoughts. And you might find it hard to push through. And you might find that your thoughts in those places of seclusion, in those places of locked doors, are going to become thoughts that lead to action. And in that dark room, you're going to struggle to shine the light that Jesus offers us to put on those thoughts. So I know it's just a random thought, but I want to encourage us. Just go for a walk. Find a friend. Walk with a friend. Go play sports. I don't know. It doesn't have to be complicated. 
but walk. Let's get physical. Let's, let's allow ourselves to, to connect with God and, and surround ourselves in His creation. He speaks through His creation. It says in Romans that He reveals Himself. How can you deny that God is real when you see Table Mountain? I mean, come on, He's real. And you're going to see that and go, wow, God, you're so good. And you're just going to be in His presence as we walk through the valley. As we walk in our life, I want to encourage you, don't sit in a room and become a couch potato. Walk. Walk in the victory that Christ has for us. Allow God to speak to you. Reveal Himself to you. Have a healthy diet. I'm going to first put my hand up. Thursday was a long day and we had McDonald's. It was good. <laughs> it was no, but I'm just saying, I'm just, we're not going to be perfect. But the point is, is that what we eat is also going to determine how we think. It's, 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 it's food, it's fuel to our body. And if you're eating the wrong thing, you might struggle to think the things that God has for you. I've got, when God is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to prepare that table, I'm pretty sure there's going to be no McDonald's. It's just going to be the best salmon roses in Jesus' name. Can I, hey, amen. The most nutritious salmon roses that's going to fill our body. I see that clap over there. I see that agreement. Thank you, Jesus. And if you don't like salmon roses, it might just be the best fillet steak. And if you're vegetarian, it might be the best mushroom burger you've ever had in your life. We have to be aware of our body and how we're looking after our body. There's so many chemicals at play that we have to look after. And if we're sitting, locking ourselves up in a room, we're going to struggle to see the light that Jesus has on offer for us. So I want to encourage us. Maybe you haven't walked in a while. Just go walk around the block. And allow God to speak to you. Connect with Him. Lastly, I want to encourage us to protect our walk with God. You see, Adam and Eve, they used to walk with God in the garden. But their moment of weakness was when they separated themselves from God. David, who was the king, his responsibility was to be on the battlefield. But the one time he decided to stay at home and not fulfill his duty was the time that he let a thought become an action. We need to protect our walk with God. And we do that by making sure that we put on the full armor of God every single day. That we pray every single day. That we get into His Word every single day. That we carry His sword every single day. And we ask that He blesses us and, and we pray the Lord's Prayer, which, which covers so many areas for our life, for His protection, for His provision, for His forgiveness, that, so that we can forgive others. Protect your walk with Jesus. Put on the full armor of God through prayer, declaring it over you, over your family, over your workplace. But we are protected by wearing the full armor of God. And our walk with Him will be protected. Can we stand? Uh, I think we're going to sing Break Every Chain again. And, and, and I want to encourage you, maybe you're here tonight and there's some thoughts which have become chains in your life. It's, it's almost changed the way that you think. It's changed the way that you do things. And, and even as we sing the song, I want you to declare the truth of Jesus, that you are loved, 
that He is the King of Kings, that He is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, declare His Word over that situation. And in Jesus' name, we bind and break those, uh, those chains in Jesus' name. Connect with Him. Jesus. Even as we just stay in this attitude of worship, can I ask that you close your eyes just out of a sign of respect? We, we declare that song and we sang that song that chains would be break, broken in Jesus' name. Maybe you are here tonight and you've heard us speak about the armor of God, but you're missing the helmet. Maybe you standing here and you going, you want Jesus to lead your thoughts. You want the promise of the helmet of salvation so that you can spend eternity in heaven with Him. But not only will you inherit the promise of eternity, you also inherit the power of the full armor of God. Maybe your thoughts have been running your life for too long and you know that you need Jesus to lead your life. I wanna give you the opportunity. If you know that tonight's the night, it's the perfect opportunity for you to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to accept Him as the King of Kings in your life. No one's looking out of sign of respect. If you know that you wanna put on the helmet of salvation for the first time tonight, I wanna ask you to put your hand up. No one's looking out of a sign of respect. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to put your hand up high. We're gonna celebrate that tonight in Jesus' name. One, two, three. If that's you, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. If you know that tonight's the night that you want to put on the, the, the helmet of salvation by declaring Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is there anyone else? Don't miss out on this opportunity. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You might not be here tomorrow. This is a moment of salvation. Don't miss out on this moment. If that's you, thank you, Jesus. Church, we're gonna, we're gonna pray this prayer together. And thank you, Jesus, for the hands that went up. Thank you, Jesus, that you're throwing a party in heaven because heaven's populated. Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Tonight, I confess that I've, that I've fallen short and I am a sinner. I pray that you forgive me. I also declare tonight that you are my Lord and Savior. And from this day onwards, I live my life for you. I pray that you keep me, that you guide me, that you show me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise? Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Come on, let's honor Matt and show him some love. Awesome. Can I ask everyone just to look to their right? You'll see a door that's open. If you put your hand up, maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you prayed that prayer, we'd love for you to take a next step. And the simple step is by praying with one of our prayer counselors. They're gonna pray for you. You tell them that you've made a commitment first time or recommitment. They can pray with you and they can also tell you about a next step, a foundational step where you get to learn more about um, your relationship with Jesus. So you can make your way there. If you have any prayer requests at all, you can also make your way there. We've got men and women prayer counselors um, in our prayer room. 
after the service um, for the new people, you can grab your first coffee. And next week, we're starting the sale of our Christmas experience tickets. They'll sell for 10 Rand. Of course, we'll have four experiences over here. Uh, we'll have at Malkbos and at Camps Bay. And um, all the money that's collected from those tickets, of course, for children under 12, it's free, will go to our feeding projects in Danoon, Volvo Refree, and a project in Hout Bay. So we thought we'd do Christmas a bit differently, where we actually could overflow, and then you'll get an opportunity to, above buying a ticket, to give into those projects this Christmas and make sure more and more people are helped in their time of need. Have an awesome evening. Enjoy the rugby. God bless you.